Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Glad you are back with us. Hope all is well in your world. It's interesting where I intended to begin today, and oh my goodness, this is crazy. Uh, Bernie, do you happen to have an audio source for this? Because this would be very interesting to listen in on. I was intending, let's see if we can listen in on some of the chaos that's going on on Capitol Hill right now. This is a congressional hearing where Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, is testifying. And I assume this is part of the request that is coming from the White House for funding. And you can leave the audio under uh, while I'm talking here because I, I'm trying to underscore a very important point here about what's going on in this country. What you're listening to are protesters inside this particular hearing. These are anti-Israel protesters disrupting the testimony of Antony Blinken. They're wanting, do you hear that? Defund genocide. Now, we've already addressed this stupid, idiotic idea that genocide is taking place in regard to the Palestinian people. This, I think this is pretty extraordinary. That here in the United States of America, you have people, and this moron, it's saying ceasefire now, over and over again. Thank you, and before I turn back over to you, Secretary Blinken, I just really want to thank the Capitol Police for their very calm and professional manner. We all appreciate it. Secretary Blinken, can you please continue? Thank you. So to continue, uh, since Russia launched this war, the robust funding... Well, he's trying to talk, and the interesting thing is, if I see correctly, he has been interrupted several times for these protesters to do their idiocy they're being escorted out of capitol hill right now but this really drives home a very interesting phenomenon that's taking place in this country and don't get me wrong i understand this country has a history of protests of demonstrations you know i think especially the vietnam era when people were against our engagement there but it's kind of interesting to me that you have people, and, and I, I'm very, very firm on this. Now, if you disagree, I'd love for you to call in and bring some facts to convince me that my position is not correct on this. I've studied this for years, this whole phenomenon of Palestine and, and the conclusion I continue to come to. I've not seen anything that disproves this yet. This entire Palestine issue is a distraction away from the number one purpose, which is the destruction of Israel and the destruction of America. 
These groups have stated repeatedly, this is their goal. I, 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 for the life of me, you know, I am applying this thing called logic. Can I understand why somebody would go into a hearing room and shout these vapid comments without the understanding and appreciation for the fact that if these folks who are pushing this agenda, like Hamas, like Hezbollah, if they were in charge, if they were in charge, many of these folks would not be alive. We already talked about the whole phenomenon of these queers for Palestine and these other morons out there. What did I see the other day that just blew my mind? It's, they have no idea whatsoever. I got news for you. They hate you too. And given the opportunity, you would be killed as well. But the sad thing is, there are very few people who are inclined to be educated. There are too many people out there, frankly, who want to be coddled. And they want to be told these fairy tales. I've already told you where I am now in this whole two-state thing. I, I'm, I'm completely over it. I was skeptical for years. Now I'm firmly, there's no way you can buy this at all. The whole point of the second state is for it to be a staging area to wipe out Israel. And surely the people in Israel at the top levels of government have to understand that. The place I was looking to begin today before this breaking news development on Capitol Hill was the challenge we're facing right here in our own country with the information war. And right on our college campuses, we've talked about issues of censorship, of media bias. We've discussed these for years. What's really, really horrible? And I don't think it should be surprising. This is happening on our college campuses. New York Post headline, Yale campus newspaper censors pro-Israel writers column on Hamas beheading men and raping women. Yale's campus newspaper criticized for censoring a pro-Israel columnist by removing what it called unsubstantiated claims that Hamas raped women and beheaded men. The Yale Daily News last week cut out the reference from an October 12th column by sophomore Sahar Tartak. The title... Is Elise for Palestine a hate group? I'm still collecting my thoughts on the YDN's egregious correction. That's what Tartak, the editor in chief of rival campus newspaper Yale Free Press, wrote on her ex social media account on Monday. She reposted a comment by a Yale professor, Nicholas Christakis who asked, are the hostage-taking murder of children in their beds, burning of people alive, and parading of nude captive women in the street also unsubstantiated? Tartak, from Great Neck, 
pinned the column five days after the October 7th Hamas massacre that slaughtered more than 1,400 Israelis. Scores of those who were killed have been taking part in a music festival a few miles from the Israel-Gaza border fence, with Hamas terrorists invading the area using hang gliders and pickup trucks. This sophomore at Yale University, her column was censored. She was condemning this group, this student group, posting messages on Instagram blaming Israel for the atrocities. In the immediate aftermath of the Hamas assault, Yalis for Palestine posted an item on its official Instagram page which held the Israeli Zionist regime responsible for the unfolding violence. Yale campus newspaper censors pro-Israel writers column on Hamas beheading men raping women. Walter Tak pinned the column. Is this a hate group? Another social media post called on the Yale community to celebrate the resistance's success. The group went on to express full support of the Palestinian people's right to resist colonization and return to their land while dismissing nonviolent acts of resistance as ineffective. Ms. Tartak wrote, this language should terrify you. Yes, it certainly should. We're going to talk more about this. And again, we're talking about the information war. Not in the Middle East. But right here in the United States of America, as we continue our broadcast today, I welcome your thoughts, even contrary thoughts. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program, we started off with breaking news. Anti-Israel protesters interrupting a congressional hearing. Antony Blinken, Secretary of State, testifying, and his testimony was interrupted several times. I've been sharing with you an article in the New York Post about a Yale campus newspaper censoring a pro-Israel writer's column. Basically sanitizing it. Taking the atrocities that were committed on October 7th out. We continue. Israel, Israeli authorities have insisted they recover the beheaded bodies of babies killed by Hamas gunmen who invaded towns along the frontier of the Gaza Strip. A handwritten note found on the body of a Hamas terrorist encouraged the jihadists to remove the heads, hearts, and livers of their Israeli victims. However, Hamas butchery has been met with skepticism, and the Yale Daily News ran an editor... An editor's note on October 25th saying Tartak's column has been edited to remove unsubstantiated claims that Hamas raped women and beheaded men. The Post has sought comment from Tartak, Yale Daily News, and Yaleys for Palestine. The controversy comes as Israel's president revealed the German-Israeli tattoo artist who was paraded through the streets of Gaza after being kidnapped by a must has been found dead after sadistic terrorists chopped off her head.
truly sorry to report we've now received news that Shania Nicole Lauk has been confirmed murdered and dead. Her skull was found. The victim's family also confirming the death was confirmed by DNA on parts of her skull. That means these barbaric, sadistic animals simply chopped off her head as they attacked, tortured, and killed Israelis. <sighs> My goodness. Israeli military personnel involved in search and rescue operations of victims told reporters they recovered beheaded bodies of infants at a kibbutz not far from the border fence, ringing the Gaza Strip. Israeli military colonel Golan Vak told reporters over the weekend he found the body of a mother who was protecting a baby. Yale campus newspaper censors pro-Israel writers' column. That's the headline here. They have censored. This military colonel talks about pulling over the body of this woman who was found, a mother protecting a baby. When he pulled it over, that's when he discovered a decapitated baby. I took it up with my hands. I carried it. I put it in the body bag. I personally did it. Days after the assault, President Biden condemned the beheading of babies, only later to acknowledge he had not seen photos that confirmed this indeed happened. Hamas has denied the claims that it killed infants. We indeed are in the midst of an information war. And I remind you again of the New York Times, the alleged newspaper of record. Completely getting it wrong on Nazi Germany. At a time where it would have been vital to discover the truth. And these are folks who will not report the truth and cover the truth. And they, frankly, will not know the truth until they are visited personally by this kind of atrocity themselves. I'm not hoping that this happens to them. I'm not. But I'm telling you that we, as a people, as Americans, we have to remember the need for eternal vigilance. And again, I remind you, the people who hate Israel and want Israel gone also want America gone. This is not a coincidence. This is why the left is very often in league with these radicals in other countries, because they share the same ideas. They're anti-American. And I stand by what I've said repeatedly on this broadcast. If you really believe that this country is illegitimate, you have only one thing that you can do with integrity. Go somewhere else where you believe in their ideology. Why would you destroy this extraordinary experiment with this republic? Why would you destroy this one unique experiment on the planet when there are plenty of other places that are doing the socialism, 
They're doing the communism. They're doing the jihad thing. You have plenty of varieties of all of these things that you have no problem with. Go there and leave the rest of us the hell alone. But no, this is not what they want. They want to transform, fundamentally transform America into the image of something that's entirely unrecognizable. I'm telling you folks, it's time, it's past time. It's time for us to dump this entire corrupt higher education system. It's ridiculously expensive. It's completely unnecessary. In the day and age in which we live, we can do education for much less and we can basically cut off this sewer. That's really what it is, folks. It's a sewer of misinformation, of propaganda, of brain rot that is destroying our children. Love to get your thoughts as we continue our broadcast today. 704-570-1110. We'll talk about some of the other headlines developing in the Middle East and beyond. Also, we'll talk about presidential politics. Some very interesting stories there, including a new candidate for president. That much more on the Vince Coakley radio program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. In fact, during the break, I've been just checking out some social media. My goodness, what a wasteland of just pure ignorance. (laughs) I don't know how else to characterize this. Just pure ignorance. Chris writes in, what is your biblical perspective when it comes to Israel and Palestine? I heard a pastor tell his congregation, in not so many words, Israel is to blame for this conflict. What say you, Vince? Oh, my gosh. Whatever my perspective, I think you know and I know the answer to that question. That's just crazy. And again, and to help you understand, Chris, you've probably heard me talk about this. The reason people buy into this narrative, it's because they have bought into the mindset that drives CRT. That you have victims and you have oppressors. This is what they believe. That Israel, that's the oppressor. By the way, before I forget because I saved this deliberately to share on this program. Did I tell you about this? The picture of three really stupid morons. I'm sorry. If this is offensive, I don't know what to do. I really don't. 
but these really dumb-looking 20s kids holding a sign with rainbow colors, Allah loves equality. Okay, morons, if you believe that, I would recommend that you relocate. Uh, let's see. How about Baghdad or Riyadh? And carry your sign through the streets. I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, I, the, the level of ignorance, I, my mind is really blown at how stupid these folks really are. They have no clue. No clue whatsoever about reality. I'm looking for a post. I shared with you some really insightful things from my friend Jeremy Pryor. And he really had a very insightful post explaining why people have taken the positions that they have regarding Israel. Here it is. Oh, this is so cool. I want you to listen to this carefully. I wasn't planning to go into... I was actually planning to share this last week. But I completely forgotten that I saved this. I want you to listen very carefully to Jeremy, Jeremy Pryor's observations. This will help you understand why the left buys into this narrative, especially our younger people, whose brains are really not that well connected. You know, keep in mind, they're... they're They've got some growing to do, and they're very impressionable. And I, I, I just really hate to say this. Some of them are just so profoundly stupid. It, it's horrible. I hate to even say it. It pains me to say that. But let me get to this content from Jeremy Pryor. For those still wondering how the woke left reflexively sided against the Israelis even before they began to respond, you need to memorize this formula to predict their every position one always be against the oppressor person with more power Two, always side with the oppressed person with less power and if you can't tell which side is which just look at color three the lighter the color the oppressor the colonizer the darker the skin the oppressed the colonized my goodness, Jeremy has summed up. He's right on the money. This is how simplistic, brainlessly simplistic, millions of Americans are. This is how many people, I was about to say, think. But it's not even thinking. It's emoting. And this is how you get to this place where you practice this type of equality as it relates to things that are going on in our world right now it's insane absolutely insane but i thought you ought to know and thought you would appreciate that post from jeremy Pryor. i need to work to have jeremy on this broadcast again soon i think he's been on a long time ago Let's talk about what is happening in the run-up to 2024. This is a very, very consequential election. I believe, and I've warned you, that the time between now and January 
2025 is going to be very dangerous for the United States of America and indeed for the world. Because the enemies of this country, the enemies of freedom, they know they pretty much have a get-out-of-jail-free pass that carries into January 2025 because there's really nothing that Mr. Magoo in the White House is going to do to stop them. That's the danger. There is the possibility this can be reversed by electing someone who will bring about a change. And that's a big if. If we do that, that change is still many months away. The Hill has an interesting story on the new House Speaker, Mike Johnson. I'm going to save this for after the break. I'm a little surprised that Mike Johnson communicated some things on Thursday night, soon after his meeting with Joe Biden in the White House. I'm kind of wondering, I wonder how they have received his comments I mean, here's a guy. I mean, I want to put this in perspective. Mike Johnson was pretty much a nobody. I mean, is anybody across the country in Palo Alto, California, or Spokane, Washington, they have any idea who Mike Johnson is until last week when he became Speaker of the House? And all of a sudden, he's thrust into the spotlight And here he is sitting down with the President of the United States. And afterwards, he has made an assessment about the President of the United States and his condition. We're going to talk about this and much more as we continue our broadcast. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And we're back to the Vince Coakley radio program. Mike Johnson, the House Speaker. He was interviewed by... Sean Hannity last week and I think he was asked a very serious question I mean think about this here he is having a first meeting sit down with Joe Biden at the White House and coming right out I'm sure they had to be very offended by the comments that he made here is just a short clip from that interaction with Mike Johnson Sean Hannity program Do you see in Joe Biden a cognitive decline? And if so, is that a danger to the country? I do. I think most of us do. And he goes on to say, it's just reality. It's not a personal slight to him. It has to do with age and acumen. Everyone's different. Everyone ages differently. And he adds, clearly, if you look at a tape of Joe Biden making an argument in the Senate Judiciary Committee a few years ago and you see a speech he delivers now, there's a difference. It's not a personal insult. It's just reality. Just reality. Now, for his part, Joe Biden was gracious, communicating a message after Speaker Johnson's election. Jill and I congratulate Speaker Johnson on his election. 
as I said, when this process began, whoever the speaker is, I will seek to work with them in good faith on behalf of the American people. That's a principle I've always held to. I've acted on delivering major bipartisan legislation on infrastructure, out-competing China, gun reform, and veterans care. That was the statement from the White House. The president's campaign sent a different message. MAGA Mike Johnson's ascension to the speakership cements the extreme MAGA takeover of the House Republican Conference. These people are morons. They really are. Now Donald Trump has his loyal foot soldier to ban abortion nationwide. <laughs> like that. Does anybody really believe that's going to happen? Lead efforts to deny free and fair election results, gut Social Security and Medicare, and advance the extreme MAGA agenda at the expense of middle class families. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Who writes this garbage? Johnson, during the Hannity interview, also voiced support for the ongoing impeachment inquiry into the president, which was started under his predecessors, former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, whose ouster more than three weeks ago led to the Louisiana Republicans' rapid ascension. Johnson said in the interview, I believe the documents are proving all that. As my good brother Jamie Comer often says, the bank records don't lie. So we have the receipts on so much of this now. It's a real problem. That's the reason we shifted into the impeachment inquiry stage on the president himself. Good for him. So there's no reason to believe there's going to be pulling back at all on this impeachment inquiry, which is very much needed and necessary. And then we have, out of the blue, a candidate for president on the Democrat side. Just when the Democrats had thought they pretty successfully disposed of RFK Jr. He's, you know, going a different direction. Now we have one Dean Phillips. Dean Phillips, who is this guy? He appeared outside the New Hampshire State House to announce his challenge to Joe Biden on Friday. Standing in front of his new campaign bus, stamped with his Everyone's Invited slogan, the three-term Minnesota congressman and millionaire businessman didn't hear the question. The question was, which one is Dean? People were looking and trying to figure out who he was. This is one likely to shadow him in the weeks ahead. Phillips, embarking on a three-month sprint, not only to introduce himself to voters, some of the people who showed up Friday, were native Granite Staters, others in town for a wedding, a few had come on vacation from Florida, but to convince them, he's ready to leap from Congress to the White House. He's drafting off concerns over Biden's age, a glaring problem for the president in the public polling, and leaning into the raw pain of New Hampshire voters over losing their first-in-the-nation status for Democrats in 2024. Remember, that is now gone to the state, which is largely responsible for resurrecting Joe Biden's presidential campaign, South Carolina. Phillips said in an interview, I believe the president's one of the few Democrats that can lose to Donald Trump. That's why somebody's got to compete. In fact, he's calling this a full-on emergency. Why he says, I'm ready, I'm very ready. Here is this brief clip from, I believe this was on CBS, Dean Phillips announcing his run for the presidency. Are you running for president? I am. I have to. I think President Biden has done a spectacular job for our country, but it's not about the past. 
This is an election about the future. I will not sit still, I will not be quiet in the face of numbers that are so clearly saying that we're going to be facing an emergency next November. What is this emergency? Well, the emergency is if Joe Biden's on the ballot next year, I'm just being honest, this guy's going to get his ass kicked. Let's get real. What's going to change between now and next year that's going to cause people to feel better about this senile Mr. Magoo? Can you imagine any scenario where people would rally behind this old man who clearly belongs in an old folks home? I'm not saying this to be nasty. An old folks home is a place to be taken care of. Not a scenario where this guy is trying to take care of a nation. The leader of the free world. God forbid. This guy cannot be given another term. It's really that simple. See, Dean Phillips is on to something that a lot of Democrat voters do not want to acknowledge. And I, The denial in this is kind of crazy. Because I think everybody knows. It's kind of like the emperor's new clothes. It really is. Because everybody out there knows. You've seen the polling like I have. These pollsters and all of these experts, they know. This is not a good scenario at all for Joe Biden. The landscape is not in his favor. It's a landscape in which the person they have profoundly vilified, Donald Trump, could actually win this. And for whatever reason, people are still playing along, at least for now. Still to come in the broadcast, we will flip to the other side. On the Republican side, a commentator who has an idea about who would be a good running mate for Donald Trump. The answer may surprise you. The whole idea behind this is to get support from the people Donald Trump lost last time around. Someone who is connecting very strongly with those people right now. Also, Battleground, Colorado. What's happening out there? Well, the Democrats, part of their strategy. Let's get Donald Trump off the ballot. This is, well, can we call it a diabolical plan? Well, it's getting some traction out there. We will talk about what's taking place in Colorado and how the Trump team is fighting this. I want to draw your attention to a very important race in my former home state. It's a race that could make a big difference as to who controls the Senate of the United States of America. We will delve into that. Also, kind of a mental health segment as it relates to Transformation Tuesday. I'm going to share a little bit about the life of someone who just recently passed away. I think it's kind of a cautionary tale to all of us. Closer to home, prices are going up at Charlotte Douglas Airport for something that you have to do in order to get to the terminal. We'll tell you what's happening there and much more as we continue our Tuesday broadcast, the Vince Coakley Radio Program. News is next.
By now you know about the tragic death that we talked a lot about last week. And I, I wanted to share this as really part of Transformation Tuesday. And the reason is I... You know, I think of this, and and please understand, I'm not comparing my life in any way to someone the magnitude of the stature of Matthew Perry. But just in general, we need to be reminded of what life is. I promise I'm not going to preach you a sermon this morning. I think I shared some days ago, probably in Transformation Tuesday or Faith Focus Friday, um, the scripture, for instance, it says that he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. The importance of thing, life is about two things. The, the life in the kingdom of God for the believer is about two things. It brings about a life source, which is our connectedness to God. The second thing is order life and order those things go together now too much of the focus in a lot of what is promoted as Christianity is focused on the order part and not enough on the life part it's the connectedness with him that gives us life that's the source of meaning and hope and purpose without that We are foraging around to try to make a life. You see the difference here? And let me just tell you how I view life. Life is about having connection and relationship with God, period. Then from there, how I express that life is then manifest in my workplace, my relationships, and the other things. All of those things are not efforts to get life. This is where we, as human beings, get this screwed up. Because we think life comes from the things, whether it's money, fame, relationships, possessions. The source of life is God himself. He is the life source. And no matter what you add on to tack on to your existence, if we don't have him, we don't have really anything. And again, and I want to make this clear, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just sharing this. I'm speaking to myself. New York Post story. Matthew Perry sold $35 million in real estate, downsized a cottage where he was very lonely in the years before his death. Beloved friend star Matthew Perry left a lasting mark both on and off the screen. Turns out in his final years, the actor was undergoing a major life transformation. He passed away at the age of 54 this past weekend, had a roller coaster ride of real estate dealings that saw him trade sprawling mansions for a more modest cottage just as he grappled with his demons in the quest for love. As the world still mourns his loss, insiders have revealed Perry was battling a profound sense of loneliness in the years leading up to his demise. One source shared he had a heart of gold, he was doing his best to help others. But there was a loneliness there. 
he spent most of his days in his home and was very lonely. I want to just pause for a moment. I want you to just think about that for a moment. Here's a guy who was literally on top of the world. I don't know all the ins and outs and the details of his portfolio, his holdings, real estate, money, residuals from friends, which I'm sure, you know, at this stage, people are getting. But in many ways, so many things are enviable, aren't they? In the summer of 2020, smack in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, Perry snagged a cozy 3,000-square-foot cottage in Los Angeles for $6 million. That blows my mind. I just think of my home at nowhere near $6 million, you know, just short of 3,000 square feet. $6 million. Isn't that crazy? This downsizing endeavor, a stark departure from his previous Malibu abode, a sprawling 5,500-square-foot oceanfront property, which he listed about the same time he acquired the cottage. The Malibu mansion ultimately sold for $13.1 million around this time three years ago. Perry also owned a lavish 9,300-square-foot Los Angeles penthouse, which he bought in 2017 for $20 million. He initially listed for a whopping $35 million, sold it for $21.6. Perry downsized to the 3,000-square-foot home after selling the Malibu pad and penthouse. Interestingly enough, the penthouse found a new owner for $21 million. Guess who? It was Rihanna. Perry's final dwelling, located in the Pacific Palisades neighborhood, a mid-century ranch-style gym that had undergone recent renovations, made up of four bedrooms and 4.5 baths with floor-to-ceiling windows that looked to views with the Pacific Coast and Catalina Island, the cottage a gym in its own right. Inside the house, oak floors throughout, great room encompassing living and dining areas, an eat-in kitchen complete with a stunning floor-to-ceiling wine rack. Among the four bedrooms, two were master suites, offering sliding doors leading, I mean, outdoors, third of an acre grounds, a raised pool overlooking the ocean, as well as a fire pit. Peter Perry later added a new pool when he took ownership. By all descriptions, this is, this is the life, isn't it? Days before his passing, the actor shared a final haunting photo on Instagram. This sent chills down my spine when I saw this. Seated in a hot tub with headphones on, he captioned the post with, Oh, so warm water swirling around makes you feel good. I'm Matt Man. He also shared a video of the moon alluding to Batman, writing, Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? I'm Matt Man. It was days later, Perry was discovered dead in the jacuzzi. Perry's journey toward his final years marked by a profound transformation. Just a year before his untimely death, he candidly admitted he longed for lasting love and the opportunity to become a father. Despite high-profile romances with stars like Julia Roberts, Lizzie Kaplan, 
Perry often found himself ending relationships haunted by an irrational fear. He acknowledged, I manifest something that's wrong with them, and then I break up with them. There can't be something wrong with everyone. I'm the common denominator. I left first because I thought they were going to annihilate me. I at least have to acknowledge him for acknowledging something's wrong with him. Boy, I so wish millions of other people would have this kind of self-awareness. Maybe it's me. <sighs> My goodness. His battle with drug and alcohol addiction further complicated his love life, leading him through 15 rehab stints. It wasn't until he achieved sobriety May 2021, Perry said he conquered his fear of love. I'm not run by the fear I used to be run by, so everything's kind of different. I'm feeling more confident, not afraid of love anymore. So the next girl I go out with better watch out, he declared. Perry was most recently engaged to his literary manager, Molly Hurwitz, but their relationship hit the rocks in 2021 as he struggled with alcoholism. And you know the rest, how he was found in a jacuzzi, head underwater, unresponsive. And again, this is not to throw stones at anybody. It's just to acknowledge and to be reminded again, what are we living for? Where, what are the sources that we're looking to for life? It was so elusive for this relatively young man who passed away at the age of 54. Love to get your thoughts as we continue our Tuesday broadcast of the Vince Coakley radio program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. on the Vince Coakley radio program. Some more about presidential politics coming up first. We go out to the sprawling metropolis of Monroe and Doug. Good morning, Doug. Welcome. Good morning. Yes, sir. Take it away. Yeah, I was just, uh, I seen somebody with a bumper sticker that said, queries for Palestine. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if they went to Gaza, how long would they be allowed to dance around in the streets with their pride flags and all that stuff, because I'm pretty sure then people would kill them immediately. It would not be a pretty sight, would it, Doug? No. I mean, and, and, and they're over here. They don't even understand what it's about. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Do you, what do you think, what goes to your mind, Doug, when you see such profound just ignorance? How did we possibly get to this place that people could be so frankly profoundly stupid i mean how do we how do we I get here a christian god and you know but and my god doesn't tell me to kill people that don't believe in him yeah that's a good thing isn't it that's that's a nice start <laughs> that's a very good start uh, appreciate your call there doug and it's amazing to me the people who want to vilify Christians and talk about extremism and all this other silly stuff. 
just because people don't agree with you. I mean, that's all it is. And somehow that's comparable to being under the Taliban. I mean, it's please, idiot, please. You have no idea whatsoever <laughs> what real oppression is. A couple of items on the presidential front. CNN political commentator Errol Lewis has some pretty interesting insights about the Donald Trump campaign. And he is suggesting he knows a way that Donald Trump can really pose a serious threat to Joe Biden's reelection campaign. You see, the people that Donald Trump lost were suburban voters. He knew in the spring of 2020. He knew that full well that he was losing those people. Well, who is winning those people now? Who is getting traction with suburban women? None other than former South Carolina governor Nikki Haley. Listen to this exchange that took place on CNN with Errol Lewis. It is very interesting. It, look, it, it points to, to, to jump ahead. It points to the possibility that she may end up on the ticket with Donald Trump. The reality is he has the biggest amount of trouble. And frankly, a lot of Biden's margin of victory in 2020 was uh, due to college educated suburban women. Mm -hmm. And that's what Nikki Haley is. And that's what she brings to the table. And if she can bring in some votes in a few key states, she would be politically a very potent addition to the Republican. Thirty two percent for her in that in that suburban poll respondents versus Trump at 24. No, that's exactly right. Exactly right. And and look, she was in his cabinet, you know, in the first term. So. Uh, it, it's entirely possible that they'll figure out a way to work together again. Wouldn't that be interesting if they figure out a way to work together again? I think this is one of the reasons why you really haven't heard anything terribly nasty coming out of Donald Trump about Nikki Haley. You have to wonder whether this is part of their calculations. Even now, they are thinking about the possibility of bringing her on board to shore up the areas where Donald Trump is weak. Quite intriguing, isn't it? What do you think about this idea of Nikki Haley with Donald Trump? Not the first time this has been suggested. But then you have to go even deeper and raise the question, is this guy going to be on the ballot at all? Breitbart has the story, the Democrat steel curtain, as in S-T-E-A-L, Trump team arrives in Colorado to fight efforts to keep him off the ballot. Former President Donald Trump's legal team arrived in Colorado for the five-day trial that will decide his eligibility to be on the state ballot. Jason Miller, senior advisor for the Trump campaign, said ahead of the trial start, they're trying to put up their steel curtain around Colorado. That's when I say steel curtain. That's S-T-E-A-L. Democrats are trying to steal this race. According to the Denver Post, both Donald Trump's legal team and the plaintiffs in the case have characterized the trial as a battle for democracy, whether by allowing Trump to run again for the country's highest office or, in the defense's view, by endorsing a political charade that would rob many voters of their favored candidates. A group of Colorado Republican and unaffiliated voters, backed by the liberal watchdog group Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, 
filed the challenge in Denver District Court. Their lawsuit seeks, based on Trump's alleged role on January 6th, to keep him off the ballot under a provision of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution that bars people who engaged in insurrection or rebellion from holding office. Plaintiffs called several witnesses from January 6th, including police officers who testified to some of the violence they experienced at the hands of the rioters that day. Officer Daniel Hodges, the Washington, D.C. Metro Police, said protesters told us we were on the wrong side of history when we were defending the United States Capitol and the peaceful transfer of power. Trump's legal team noted the president repeatedly called for peace that day and that he did not lead the rioters into the Capitol that day. On the charges of insurrection, Scott Gessler, a former Colorado Secretary of State on Team Trump, cited Eugene versus Debs, a socialist politician who still ran for president, despite, despite being in prison for sedition by discouraging military recruitment during World War I. Gessler said, when there are many definitions of insurrection, that really means there are none. Frankly, they're making up the standards so it fits the facts of January 6th. When the plaintiff sought to introduce the House January 6th Committee's final report as evidence, Gessler called it a poison political document that should have no basis in an actual court of law. A Breitbart News reported a federal court in New Hampshire dismissed a similar case recently, ruling the 14th Amendment claim is a non-justifiable political question. Trump has not been convicted of insurrection and was acquitted by the U.S. Senate of charges of engaging in insurrection. He continues to deny wrongdoing. The Colorado case could likely land before the Supreme Court, which has never before ruled on this Civil War era amendment. So keep your eyes on Colorado. And as you know, if the Democrats succeed here, they would absolutely love to really pick off state after state one by one and if you pull the plug on his even possibility of getting votes on state at some point it becomes impossible to even get elected that's the grand strategy it's kind of far-fetched but it's the democrats what else do you expect as we continue the vince coakley radio program On the Vince Coakley radio program, a couple of interesting items from social media. I was talking earlier about tragedy, as we have discussed over the past few days, the death of Matthew Perry. Chris writes in, so many of us are saying to ourselves, if I had that much money, I would be happy. This is a good example of how powerful depression and loneliness can be. Absolutely. No amount of property, money can cover for that. And again, the loneliness, the relational separation, never finding that special person. Ah, just uh, since chills down my spine to think of 54 years. Also, this, an email from Tony. I was talking about what's going on with our young people and the profound ignorance that exists out there. Tony says, my dad quit school 
after failing fourth, fifth, and sixth grades twice each. Oh, man. But he was a very smart man. He could fix about anything. Taught us kids common sense. That's what we're missing. We have knowledge, but not wisdom. Ooh, that's deep. It starts at home. I probably learned learn more in my grandfather's woodworking shop than 12 years of school. Thanks and love your show. You see what is so important about this story? You know what's really important about this? Relationship, fatherhood, generational transfer. That's what happened here. That's why Tony is the man that he is. And this is what people want to wreck. Don't want this patriarchal society. <laughs> okay. So, what is it I will try to cover before we run out of time today? Oh, I want to tell you about a couple of very interesting things. Let's start at home. As you know, I travel all the time. And where is that? I, um, because I need to pull this back up so that I can see the charts and the graphs. Because I was quite disturbed when I saw, there it is. And you'll understand why I wanted to pull this back up to describe it to you. Queen City News reporting starting in November. It's going to cost you more to park at Charlotte Douglas International Airport. Their drive-up parking rates for all lots and decks are going up beginning Monday, November 6th, next Monday. CLT Airport said the rate changes due to its substantial local passenger growth and the significant investment in the passenger parking program, including the expansion of parking facilities. CLT Airport officials said that parking facilities are constantly full or near capacity because of increases in local passengers parking at the airport. They said passenger traffic has increased 30% since spring 2023, outpacing the rise in total people flying to and from CLT post-pandemic. Charlotte's the seventh busiest airport in the world this year expects to exceed 2019's record-breaking 50 million passengers. Travelers encouraged to reserve a parking lot at parkclt.com. The last Charlotte Airport raised its parking prices was back in July 2021. Let me give you an idea of what these prices will look like beginning on the 6th of November. Let me start at the bottom. The least expensive long-term lots, one and two. Current rate, $10. November 6th, $12. This is where the jumps really uh dive into your pocketbook daily decks twelve dollars now that's going up to twenty daily north twelve to fourteen express deck self park sixteen to twenty express deck preferred sixteen to twenty four hourly deck twenty four dollars a day six dollars an hour now that's going up to 32 dollars a day eight dollars an hour e and the valet current rates 35 dollars 
it goes up to $45. So just keep that in mind so that you are aware what to expect if you are parking at CLT. By the way, Bernie, if you have a source for this news conference, let me know. Um, There are GOP senators speaking right now expressing concern about our open border, which is... uh, I'm glad somebody's speaking about it. It just blows my mind just to continue to see people just walk across. I mean, how do you how do you excuse this? In what universe do you excuse this kind of? And and I'm not mad at the people doing it. If it were me trying to live a better life, I might be trying to come here too. Look at the lines. But the people who are in charge of our government have a responsibility to provide genuine security at our border, to protect the country from invasion. Folks, this is an invasion. That's what it is. But don't expect this to be treated as such by this administration. Because every person they see, they see as a potential Democrat voter. So come on in. Come on in. Stay with us for more on the Vince Coakley radio program. In fact, coming up, going to tell you about an important race, an important election coming up next week. It's not here. We've got races here, not to ignore those, but we've got one that could determine the future of the U.S. Senate and Senate leadership for that matter. That much more as we continue our broadcast. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Final stretch of the Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Tuesday... I want to draw your attention. In fact, we may have this gentleman on the broadcast very soon. I I very much trust the opinions of certain people. When I don't know something directly, I ask someone who I have confidence in their judgment for their opinion. There's a big governor's race in my former state of Kentucky. It's going on right now. Andy Bashir, who is the current governor, is running against Attorney General Daniel Cameron, who is a Republican. This election is coming up next Tuesday. Now, it's interesting, Breitbart, the way they have positioned this story. Here's their headline. Kentucky governor race could, could determine U.S. Senate control as next governor could pick McConnell successor. The winner between Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir and Attorney General Daniel Cameron could determine control of the U.S. Senate. As Bashir argues that a state law requiring him to appoint a Republican if Senator Mitch McConnell steps down is unconstitutional. Voters will decide between Bashir and Cameron as Kentucky's chief executive on November 7th. The Democrat incumbent 
leads his Republican challenger, but Cameron is within striking distance. Bashir's strategy is to portray himself as a moderate, which he is not. But the question of which party controls the U.S. Senate could hang in the balance as the current majority leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer, is anything but moderate. Senate Minority Leader McConnell's health scares over the past year, resulting in a couple of on-camera freezes, you remember those, have led to necessary conversations about possible succession if the 81-year-old senator is unable to finish his term. His seat is up in 2026. Man, that is, that's like an eternity. With a man that age, 81 years old, I remind you. That's three years from now. The 17th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution provides that when a Senate seat becomes vacant, the governor of the state shall declare a special election. It also includes the legislature of any state may empower the governor to make temporary appointments until the people fill the vacancies by election as the legislature may direct. In other words, the Constitution requires a special election to fill a Senate term and empowers the legislature with the option of authorizing the governor to make temporary appointments. The governor has no inherent constitutional authority to fill Senate vacancies. It's up to the state legislature. In March 2021, Kentucky adopted a law saying that if a U.S. Senate seat becomes vacant, the leadership of the senator's party would provide the names of three members of that same party to the governor. That regardless of the governor's party affiliation, he must choose from the three names of the former senator's party. Both Kentucky Senators, McConnell and Rand Paul, are Republicans. Under Kentucky law, that means if McConnell cannot finish his term, Bashir would have to choose from among three Republicans the Kentucky GOP would name. But Bashir initially vetoed that legislation, saying it violated the Kentucky Constitution, which gives Bashir complete authority to name anyone he wants to the Senate, including a fellow Democrat. The Republican-controlled Kentucky legislature disagreed, overrode his veto, making Senate Bill 228 law in the Bluegrass State. Many would say there should not be any debate as a matter of constitutional law. The U.S. Constitution is supreme law of the land. Article 6 of the Constitution explicitly said that it overrides state constitutions. The office of the U.S. Senator created by U.S. Constitution, which means all the qualifications, elections, removals, and office features the office are defined by the federal constitution. So if the U.S. Constitution says the Kentucky legislature gets to decide whether to empower the Kentucky governor to fill a vacancy in the U.S. Senate, and the Kentucky legislature says the governor can do so only if the appointee is of the former senator's party. It doesn't matter if the Kentucky Constitution seeks to give the governor broader power. But that would be the issue in a protracted court fight. Bottom line in all of this, let's avoid the constitutional mess. If you are able, if you are interested, if you're one of those people who invests in campaigns in other states, now might be a good time, or if you have time, to put into campaigns, now might be a good time to get involved in the campaign for Attorney General Daniel Cameron. I reached out this morning to my good friend Thomas Massey, and I just asked point blank, how do you feel about Cameron? 
His response was very quick. I like him. In fact, he spent some time with him yesterday. So I just want to put this out there. This is not just about the Kentucky governorship. If for some reason there's some health issue and Mitch McConnell cannot serve or the man kicks the bucket, then this could be very consequential. This race and Daniel Cameron. And I also like the idea of Daniel Cameron as governor anyway. For those of you who are not familiar, look him up. Read some about him. He seems like a genuinely good guy. Let's very quickly zip through the day in history. Bernie, how are you today? I'm good, Vince. Hope you are, sir. Not bad. A total of eight items here. 1517, this guy posted his 95 theses on the Wittenberg door. Starting the Reformation. You're absolutely right. It's Martin Luther. 1517 was the year. 1864, this became the 36th state. It's most known for Sin City. Uh, That'd be Nevada. (laughs) You're absolutely (laughs) right. How do you know about this, Bernie? Uh, I've never actually been to Vegas. I really haven't. Never been. Okay. You have to do that sometime. Everybody should at least once. Need to have uh, some money to do that, I've heard. Yes, you do. (laughs) The less, the better. Yep. 1926 is the year. His first name's Harry. And he died in this day in 1926. Who was this guy? Magician. Oh, Harry Houdini. You are correct. Wow, you got a streak going. I do. 1941, I went to this place two years ago. It was finally completed after 14 years of work. It's something that was done in rock. A lot of carving in rock of former presidents. Uh, Mount Rushmore? Mount Rushmore is correct. And that is a sight to behold. It's pretty amazing. 1950, Earl Lloyd, the first black player in the NBA. 1952, the U.S. explodes the first hydrogen bomb in the Pacific. 1963, Ed Sullivan witnessed this at Heathrow Airport. It had something to do with a group of young men singing, starting an invasion as they were coming over to the U.S., the Beatles. You are right. Beatlemania, 1963 mm. and 1984. Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi assassinated. Mm. 1984. That's a look at the day in history, and we are absolutely, positively, completely out of time. We thank you very much for joining us on the broadcast. Thank you for spending time with us. Lord willing, we're back tomorrow at the same time right here. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios. Thank you.